0: All right, so uh, uh, Zeke just uh, leaned over uh, a minute ago and said, I know what that table is for. And I said, what? And he said, the the kids chat. And I said, no, it's actually for the big kids chat uh, because what happens uh, in the course of the meal is Jesus actually puts, we would say maybe six different objects on the table. And so we're gonna just kind of look at the different objects that he puts on the table. Uh, Just to kind of remind people, uh, because I I, I saw folks still jumping on uh, to Facebook and Zoom. Um, uh, This is gonna be what? Awkward and uncomfortable, right? If we're putting ourselves in this meal with Jesus, it's a little bit awkward and uncomfortable if he's the one coming to our house saying, hey, here's what's wrong with you. Hey, here's what's wrong with you. Hey, here's what's wrong with you right this is a little bit strange and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the six objects that jesus puts on the table um that's figurative right we're just trying to help illustrate it he doesn't actually put these objects on the table but he's pointing to six different objects and for each object he's going to say hey here's what's wrong with with you and and your relationship with god right here's what's wrong with you and your relationship." With God, so so for instance, right the, the first object that he puts on the table, um, it is actually a cup, right, or a bowl, uh, a place setting of some kind. So, uh, and what he says is, what he says is, you are bright and sparkly and clean on the outside, but you are what filthy and disgusting on the inside. Right? That's what he tells the Pharisee uh, that he is sharing this meal with, and 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 that's uh, likely true. We know that the Pharisees worked super hard at appearing bright and sparkly and clean on the outside, and and they were right. If you look at them, this is the Pharisee is the neighbor that everybody wants to have. It's like the perfect person, right? I mean, uh, th- this is somebody that that outwardly behaves in the proper way all the time, but but Jesus looks at them and says, "Look, you are you are." dirty on the inside. You are as dirty as everyone else is on the inside. And so Jesus puts this cup on the table and says, look, see that? That's what's wrong with you. You're bright and sparkly on the outside. You're filthy on the inside. And really, we have to kind of admit and be honest that that, uh, Jesus is putting the cup on the table towards you and me. And that uh, we, we tend to do this, right? We, we tend to put forward the best possible appearance. Uh, we do it when we're face-to-face, uh, you know, in relationship with one another. We sort of calculate, how much am I going to reveal about myself, right? What am I going to actually share? And there's very few people that we share, like, everything with, right? And so we, we very often sort of put forward the best possible appearance that we can, um, and, and we hide all the... All the ugly stuff. We do that face-to-face. We, we, we do that more easily uh, on Zoom uh, when we're social distanced with each other. Uh, we do it even more easily on Facebook and social media when we're trying to just put forward that best possible appearance of who we are. And we hide all of that ugly stuff. And so Jesus puts that cup on the table and he pushes it towards us and he says, that's what's wrong with you. The, the second object uh, that Jesus uses um, it, it's actually this. I, I debated if it was going to be money or, or this, uh, th- this thing of onion powder. Uh, this is onion powder. Uh, it's uh, almost full onion powder. Oops. Um, and so uh, this is what Jesus puts on the table and he, and he pushes it towards the Pharisee and says, See this? This is what's wrong with you. You like onions. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what, he, what he's saying, right, is uh, he's pushing money across the table and it's really the tithing issue. Uh, Just just so we're kind of clear on that, right? Tithing in the text. uh, Tithing is a good biblical practice. Um, It's something where somebody uh, basically acknowledges and has faith that, that God created and sustains everything and that everything that I have is a great gift from God. And so tithing says, I'm going to embody that faith, I'm going to embody that, uh, that knowledge um, by, by uh, acting it out. And so I'm going to take 10% of what I have and what I've been given, and I'm going to give it back to God. Right? It's just this kind of way of acting on your faith, on the information and knowledge that you have, uh, your belief. And so what the the Pharisees did, they were were uber-tithers, uber-titherists. I don't know how to say it, but but what they would do, right, if you listen to the text, what they're doing is they're taking um, mint and rue and every herb. Just see that, every herb, not some herbs, not most herbs, but every herb, and they're tithing 10% of it. Uh, which is very—it's a very cool spiritual practice, right? Very cool spiritual rule to try to go that far. But but just imagine, right? You take you you get onion powder from the store, and then you uh, scoop out a tenth of it <laughs> because you want to make sure that you're living this out and that you are um, giving a tenth back to God. Great practice. But Jesus is basically saying here: Look, you see that? That's what's wrong with you, because you care mostly about this. You're taking so much time and so much energy and so much effort to follow your spiritual practice, right? You're taking so much time and so much energy to follow your rules for how life should be done. And what you don't do is you don't actually care about people. And you don't actually care about God. You just care about following your rules for how life should be done. Your rules for what you think is good spiritual practice. And so Jesus looks at that and he says, look, this is what's wrong with you. And we have to admit that, that Jesus is uh, pushing the onion powder across the table to you and me. And, and he's saying, look, this is what's wrong with you. Uh, you're, you're too focused on your spiritual practice. You're too focused on, on your rules for how life should be done. And, and you don't really seem to care about people around you. You don't seem to really care even about God. That's what's wrong with you. Now, the third object, um, just for the sake of, uh, of being super awkward and uncomfortable, right? the third object is a chair. He puts the chair on the table. I picture it like Jesus standing up kind of angrily and uh, like, you know, slamming the chair up over his head and on the table. I don't know. He probably didn't do that, but that's what I picture, anyways. Uh, so, so Jesus puts the chair on the table and he says, You see that? That's what's wrong with you. Um, the Pharisees love the best seat, the seat of honor at a meal, at a table. If you have the seat of honor, so you now I have to like uh, stand on my tiptoes to like see everybody. Um, if you have the seat of honor, the best seat, then that means that you uh, have been recognized, right? It means that people are paying attention to you. It means that they are um, uh, saying, hey, you're a really great person. And again, this is what the Pharisees lived for. They lived for that moment where people would recognize them and people would put them in the best possible seat. And so Jesus puts that on the table and he says, look, this is what's wrong with you. You love the best seat at a meal. That's one thing. We'll talk about this next week, actually, in the meal that Jesus sits down at. The real problem with this is that um, when you love the best seat, you love the best seat in, in people's hearts and in people's minds. Meaning you are trying to get people to pay attention to you. You're trying to get people to recognize you. And when you do that, who are you taking attention away from? Jesus. Yeah. And so the problem with the chair is that we uh, very often, right, Jesus puts the chair on the table and pushes it across to us and says, hey, um, this is what's wrong with you. You're, you're too busy trying to be in the best seat, the seat of honor in people's hearts and in people's minds. And if you have that seat, that means that I don't. That's what's wrong with us. Now, the fourth object um, I couldn't find, uh, and I actually forgot the substitute, uh, objects, um, but uh, you could just picture the whole table, if you will. Um, uh, Jesus puts a tomb, of all things, on the table, and he pushes it across uh, to the Pharisee, and he says, see this? This is what's wrong with you. We used to have these little cutout uh, figures uh, right, of the, uh, that we would use for the He Has Risen celebration. I couldn't find those. I looked around a little bit, but anyways, he puts this tomb on the table, and he pushes it across to the Pharisee, and he says, hey, this is what's wrong with you. Now, this one needs a lot of explanation because it's kind of goofy for us. Uh, What we need to know is that tombs made people unclean. Um, uh, The scripture is pretty clear that God is a God of life and not a God of death. And so anytime that you came into contact with death, that made you unclean. So um, when somebody that you loved died and you went to uh, celebrate their life, you you would be unclean for seven days, right? That's it's part of the mourning process. It's acknowledging God is not a God of life. He is a, uh, not a God of death. He's a God of life. And so, um, and so, so death or tombs would make somebody unclean. Um, so what they did, right, is they, um, they, they painted uh, tombs with this bright white color, right, because they wanted to help people avoid death and avoid tombs if they didn't actually mean to come into contact with them. Right? If you see the bright white tomb, you can walk around it. You can avoid it and uh, avoid becoming unclean and following the rituals then to, to become clean. And so Jesus puts this on the table and he says, see this, this is what's wrong with you. You are like an unmarked tomb. You're making people unclean. Now, this is just one step removed from the text, but I I believe what Jesus is saying here is he's basically saying, hey, Pharisees, you are quick to point out all the things that are unclean and not right about other people. But you're really slow. In fact, you never point to yourself and say, hey, here's what's not right about me. Here's what's not clean about me. This is what's wrong with you. Awkward and uncomfortable, right? Okay. Stick with me, right? We're going to make it less awkward and less uncomfortable in a little bit. Just, just stick with me. So, so the next one, uh, the, the fifth object is actually this burden bag. Uh, I was going to fill this with rocks. I filled it with my, uh, the dorkiest, heaviest theological books I could find in my office. right? So, so it doesn't have rocks, but we're just going to call this the burden bag. And Jesus puts this on the table and he pushes it towards actually this group of people called the lawyers. He says, look, this is what's wrong with you. Now, if you're a lawyer, don't be offended, right? Because you got to just get out of your mind what we think of when we hear lawyers. Uh, This is not like court of law kind of lawyer. This is not a defense attorney or something like that. Um, This is somebody who studies the law of God like excessively, the law of God, right? They, they, they excessively study the law of God. God says do this. God says do that. They, they excel in that kind of thing. They would be able to tell you chapter and verse of here's what God says you should do, right? They're, they are majors uh, in the law of God. And so, so they're just aptly called lawyers, right? That's what they are. So get out of your brain, the court of law system, and think about somebody who knows God's word really well, and is quick to, to then study it and say, hey, here's what it means, and um, make sure that you do this. And what they would do is they would essentially you know, say, hey, here's the law of God, and then they would sort of build the circle around it. And they would say, hey, make sure that you actually do all of this stuff to make sure that you keep the law of God. And so that would create a what? A heavy burden for people, right? I mean, just imagine uh, carrying this on your backpack. It has, uh, on your back, it literally has, I think, seven books that are about that thick. And, you know, I mean, like, it's heavy, right? So burden, they create a heavy burden for people. And, you know, and so what's happening, right, is I, I believe, again, one step removed from the text, what they're doing, and Jesus says, hey, this is what's wrong with you. You are pointing out the law of God, what you should do and what you should not do but you're never talking about the gospel. You're never talking about the good news of who God is and and what God has done for you. You're never talking about how God is great and glorious and good and gracious. You're never talking about what God is doing for you. You're only talking about the law and not the gospel. You're creating a heavy burden for people. And so we have to admit that sometimes Jesus pushes the bag toward us When he says, hey, this is what's wrong with you. You are busy telling people what they should do. But you're not too busy telling people what Jesus is doing for them. You're not too busy telling people how wonderful Jesus is. You're just busy knowing the law and sharing that. Uh, The last object then is is actually this, a Bible. Um, and, And he pushes this towards the lawyers. And, uh, and essentially what he says to them is, you see that? That's what's wrong with you. You know that book forwards and backwards. You have it memorized. You can quickly spout out chapter and verse. Um, but the problem is is that while you know it informationally, while you know it in your head, you don't know it in your heart. You, you don't allow it to actually change your life. You don't allow it to, to continuously change you. You don't allow it to affect you. It's just information. And so Jesus puts this Bible on the table, the word of God, and he says, hey, this is what's wrong with you. And we have to admit that Jesus sometimes pushes the Bible towards us and says, hey, this is what's wrong with you. Um, you know it, maybe informationally, you read it occasionally, but, but, but you don't allow it to change you. You don't apply it to your life in an ongoing kind of way. All right, go ahead and just say it. Uh, that was awkward, and uncomfortable. All right, so again, right? Remember, this is what Jesus is doing. He's at somebody's house sharing a meal with them, and he's saying, hey, look, all this stuff, is what's wrong with you, right? You got some changing to do. So, So we want to just consider this, right? What is the objective of Jesus? What is his goal? What is, he, what is his aim? I mean, if you just look at this text, I mean, I feel bad for people that are, that are tuning in and watching uh, for the first time, Resurrection Ministries, because they're probably like, oh, man, this guy is so full of law, right? Uh, and, and so this is kind of an interesting text. If you only take this, you're going to look at Jesus and be like, dude, he's a bully, right? I mean, he's just mean. Um, you're you're going to look at this and say, well, that guy's awkward and uncomfortable. I don't really want anything to do with him, Right. You're going to look at this and say, uh, what is Jesus trying to do? Just, you know, trying to really stick it to this guy and then walk away feeling good about himself that he really gave it to this guy. <laughs> What's the objective of Jesus? What is his goal or his aim? We have to look beyond this story, right? We have to look at the whole Gospel of Luke and consider what is his objective. And for that, it's really best to go to Luke chapter 19. Uh, because in Luke chapter 19, he tells us what his objective is. He says, hey, this is why I came. In Luke chapter 19, it's like super powerful. Right, so Luke chapter 19, he says, the Son of Man came, right? That's Jesus. Jesus says, I came to seek and to what? Anybody know? Save. I came to seek and to save the lost. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I came to seek and to shame the lost. Um, we might have some sense of guilt or some sense of shame as we look at these objects and we realize that Jesus is pushing that across the table to me. But Jesus didn't come to seek and to shame. He came to seek and to save the lost. When we hear the word lost, we usually think, you know, about tax collectors. In in Luke chapter 19, he just finished um, sharing a meal with a wee little man named Zacchaeus, who's a chief tax collector, right? So we think about those kinds of shady characters. We think about how Jesus comes to save prostitutes or how he comes to save, um, uh, you know, lepers, uh, folks on the fringe of society that nobody really likes. But the reality is that Jesus looks at this Pharisee and he looks at the lawyers and he says, yeah, you are lost. You've been walking away from God. And so I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to share a meal. I'm going to say, stop. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, which includes the good religious folks that look nice on the outside but are still dirty on the inside. And he saves the lost in two ways. The first way, Luke chapter 5, he says that he came to call sinners to repentance. That repentance has a bad rap. We usually leave that, use that as kind of a heavy-handed word, right? Uh, repent, uh, turn or burn kind of thing, right? And that's not the sense of repentance. The, the beautiful sense of repentance is that you've been, what, walking away from God. You've been thinking in the ways of the world. And what, what, what repentance is, God's calling you back to think more like him, to think in terms of the kingdom of God. And so sometimes we have to admit and be honest that, that yeah, he's going to put stuff on the table and say, stop it. Stop thinking that way because it's not going to be the best thing for you or for this world. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And one of the ways that he does that is he calls sinners to repentance. The other way that he does it, of course, is he goes to each and every object and he takes it on himself. See, it, it, I don't think it's enough for us today to just say, yeah, he's got a really strong, powerful arm. And, and, and with that strong, powerful arm, he just you know, wipes everything off the table and makes it crystal clear. No, no, what Jesus does is he goes up to each and every object and he takes it off the table and he puts it on his own back. Right? Uh, the Apostle Paul later uh, will, will tell us that Jesus... Um, knew no sin, but he, what, became sin for us, right? That means that he takes each and every object and he puts it on himself and he suffers the consequence for us. He takes our penalty, our punishment. And he says, look, you see all these things? This is what's not right. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I'm going to be not right for you so that I can clear the table And what? Give you a brand new life. This is what Jesus does, right? He takes each object, I told you it was heavy, on himself. I'd pick up everything and put it on my back, but my back's not big enough. The back of Jesus is. The back of Jesus is strong enough and big enough to take each and every object and to wipe it away. And what he does is he gives you a brand new life. Jesus came to seek and to save me and you and you. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your, your, your greatness. We, we thank you for these uh, different objects um, that uh, we've had to wrestle through and, and consider for ourselves. Um, would you please forgive us uh, for the things that we have done wrong? Um, And would you please draw our eyes and our hearts uh, to that brand new life that you are granting? Would you remind us over and over again that you came to seek and to save me, to seek and to save the lost, and that that is wonderful, great good news for each one of us. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.